Suppose you would have the opportunity this afternoon for, for about a, a 15, 20-minute conversation face-to-face with Jesus. What would you want to ask him? What would you want to talk to him about? You might maybe have a question about um, maybe end of times and ask him about, you know, when are you coming back? And what exactly is going to happen? Is it going to be pre-tribulation, post-tribulation rapture? Is the church really going to be raptured? You know, those kinds of things. You might want to ask him, why do, why, do, why do bad things continue to happen to good people? Why is there so much evil in the world? Why does it seem like evil people prosper and, and your people, God, seem to uh, be in despair a lot? Why are there shootings and violence of all kinds that take place? If you're a good God, why do you let these things happen? On and on and on that could go. Well, you know, the disciples who followed with Jesus had that opportunity to sit down and talk with him and ask him things like that on multiple occasions. And the most, um, most intriguing one is recorded in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Because they had heard Jesus preach, they had seen him perform miracles, uh, they had uh, listened to his teaching, and they came to him with a request to ask of him something. And it wasn't to help them teach or preach or to do miracles the way that he did. They came with one request, and it was about their prayer life, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, why do you think out of all the things that they could have asked him, they asked him that, Lord, teach us to pray? I think it's because they saw him in his prayer life, and they saw what God did in his life because of his prayer life and his connectedness with God. And so they came to him with that request. Lord, teach us everything you know about prayer. Teach us how to pray. I think we need to learn more and more about prayer. It's a wonderful privilege that God has given to us. It's it's a part of what God has given to us to allow us to come to him with our deepest needs and our burdens, our fears, our concerns, our frustrations, everything that we need to take to God. He says, come, I'm your loving heavenly father, come and bring all these things to me in prayer. And yet, we don't pray as we should. I read something this week that said 86% of the American population believes that uh, God hears and has the power and ability to answer prayer. Only 86%. You know what? That's high. It ought to be 100%, don't you think? And, And yet, I believe there would be some believers, maybe even some of you right here today, who might fall into that 14% who don't believe that God is, is awesome, that he can hear and answer our prayers. And so I think we need to do a little primer in, in, um, in, in some prayer experiences. And so I want to introduce to you today a series of messages on prayer that we're going to cover in the next several weeks, simply entitled, When We Pray. And, and hopefully it's not going to be the same old routine and the boring thing about prayer. You need to pray. You need to have your quiet time. You need to pray, pray, pray. We want to dig into some other aspects of prayer. And I, I, I hope that even today that this simple message will be one that will give to you some eye-opening thoughts about your prayer life and why you need a constant prayer life and why you need to work on that prayer life and why you need to make it better and more intimate with God. And so I want us to... Just think about what happens when we pray. What are we actually doing when we pray? And and I want us to look at a passage of Scripture out of John 15 that's not normally a passage of Scripture that we would relate to when a teaching about prayer life. But you'll notice how so many things in here are tied together around abiding in Christ and being in Christ. And then Jesus talks about prayer. Ask and you'll have it. Ask and you'll receive it. So I want us to look at John chapter 15 verses 5 through 8. And then 12 through 17. Jesus says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. 
If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. See what Jesus is saying is tied in there, asking and receiving with um, believing and being bound in a relationship with Jesus. He says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. Then we go down to verse 12. And he talks about our relationships. And he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life, even as I have loved you. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And notice what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about loving one another. He's talking about the fact that he has called them to him. He has sent them to bear fruit and fruit that will last. And then he says, the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love one another. Now, what happens when we pray? Let's think about that this morning. What happens when we pray? The first thing I think that, we ha- that happens is that when we pray, we declare our dependence upon God. When I pray, I am saying to God, I need you. My life is dependent upon my relationship with you. And I think that's contrary to what this culture in which we live in today teaches us. It teaches us that we're to be strong and self-reliant. We're to be independent. We're to be hard workers. We're to make it on our own. And and some of that is good. Some of that is good, but it's not in your spiritual life, in your relationship with God. God is your Father who says, I want you to have a relationship with me that's real and meaningful. And, and, And that means that we... His children are to be dependent upon Him. The American mindset is, I can do it on my own. And God keeps saying, no, you can't. That's why I give you prayer. That's why I give you the Holy Spirit. I want you to learn to be dependent upon me. And why wouldn't we want to be dependent upon God? He is all-powerful, awesome, righteous, all those things we can think of that describe him in all of his majesty and glory and splendor. But think of three words. He is the creator, he is our redeemer, and he is our sustainer. He created us, he redeemed us in Jesus Christ, and he sustains our life. We are totally dependent upon God. And when we pray, we need to remember that. And so I think a lot of people don't have the prayer life that they need is because they say, I I don't want to admit that I'm inadequate. I don't want to admit that I'm helpless. I don't want to admit that I need God's help. But you will never have the prayer life that God wants you to have until you realize your utter dependence upon God. Notice what Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides in me, And I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, the analogy that Jesus makes that he is the vine and we're the branches talks about that dependence. The branches on, on, on the grapevine are dependent upon the vine. You lop off that branch and it's going to wither and die and it's just left to be thrown on the trash pile. And so when we pray, we need to realize our dependence upon God. We are absolutely dependent upon him because he is creator, redeemer, and sustainer. So when we pray, we are expressing our dependence upon God. Then the second thing that happens is that when we pray, we grow in our relationship with God. Makes sense, doesn't it? The more time you spend with somebody, the more you learn about that person and the more you know about that person and in likelihood, the more you become like that person. Whether it's in a best friend relationship, whether it's in a spiritual mentoring relationship, whether it's in the marriage relationship between a man and woman in marriage. The more you spend time together, the more you learn about each other, the more you know about each other, then the deeper that relationship becomes and the greater that relationship is, the stronger that it is. And that's what happens when we pray. See, the more time you spend with God, you will find that the nature of your relationship will change. Now, you won't become more saved because you're already saved. You won't become more attractive and you won't get necessarily more stuff. But your relationship with Jesus will change from what Jesus said is the master-servant relationship to the master-friend relationship. Jesus said, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask, the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Now, I want you to notice something about what Jesus said. Notice that intimacy in prayer does not lead to the production of fruit. It's the opposite. It's the opposite according to spiritual values. And this is Jesus who said that. Jesus said producing fruit leads to to intimacy in our relationship with God. Now, how does that work that way? Well, we see that means if if we're producing fruit of righteousness that lasts, that's, that's what Jesus commanded us to do. And what is that? Well, that's leading people to Christ. That's the number one thing you can think about. You can think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that he gifts us with in, in what Paul talked about in Galatians, um, and developing those things, allowing the Holy Spirit to develop those things in our life. And then you live those things out, you know, like peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, those things. You see, that, those are things that make a difference and mark you in this, in this world, in this society in which we live, and it's so different. The world and culture that we live in today doesn't have those things. See, it's doing something positive for the kingdom of God. That's bearing fruit that produces for the glory of God. And it's in that process then that our intimacy with God is developed because we're living in obedience to what Jesus has told us to do. He said, I have appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Why? He says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. So it works like this. 
I pray to God. He grants what I ask for by the authority of Jesus Christ, and I live for God. You see, that's how Jesus is describing this relationship. So as I live for God, I understand His will, and our relationship grows. He speaks to me through His Word, through the Holy Spirit, and I'm obedient to Him. And the more that I pray, the more that I grow in that relationship with God, the deeper our relationship grows. I want to ask you to think about two things. I'm going to give you two questions to think about. If you're not abiding in Christ, then where are you abiding? Jesus said, abide in me as a branch abides in the vine. If you're not abiding in, in, in Jesus Christ, where are you abiding? You're in self. Or if you're not in self, you're in something else that's totally ungodly. The abiding that takes place is abiding in Jesus Christ. Abiding in him and his kingdom values, not in self. Second question I want to ask you is, the last thing that you really earnestly prayed about and asked God for, whatever it was, but the last burning issue in your life that you took to God in prayer, were you devoted to your desire? Or were you devoted to seeing God's will be done? See, the the point of coming to God and, and asking in prayer is so that you get to know God better. The psalmist said, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what that means is the more you come to God in prayer, the more you develop that intimacy with God the more you understand the things of God and that shapes how you pray and what you pray for and that shapes what you receive from God. You learn the things that God wants you to ask for, what he wants you to have, and that's what you pray and ask for. Now notice that we move from that servant relationship to the friendship relationship, but it's God who makes that distinguishing factor. We are still to respect him as God, holy, awesome, righteous, that he he is indeed creator, redeemer, and sustainer. And we love him on that level. We have that respect. He wants a personal relationship that's intimate and real and filled with meaning. But also we need to understand that he is the holy God. He's righteous and we're not except through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Don't ever get casual with God. I think that's one of the mistakes we've made in our culture today. Don't get casual with God. He's not the man upstairs or whatever you want to refer to him as. He is God and God alone. And he tells us that he's a jealous God and he will not share his glory with any other. But he is the one that chooses to call us friend and move us from the servant relationship to the, to the friend relationship when we grow in that intimacy. So when we pray... We grow in our relationship with God. Third thing that happens, when we pray, we ask and we receive from God. Now, many of us think that's the whole purpose of prayer, isn't it? That God gave us this awesome, wonderful privilege to come to him and ask things from him. Well, the Bible even tells us that God himself says, I'm a good father who loves to give good gifts to my children. And so we think, hey, I want to get in on that. But prayer is more than asking and receiving from God what we want, the things of life. Because typically we have a a tendency to pray for things that are outside the realm 
of the kingdom of God and those concerns about what God really earnestly wants us to pray about. Listen to what Jesus said. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, that's abiding in him and his words abide in us. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And the Lord said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours." In all of that, what's Jesus saying? He is saying that the power of faith is unlimited as the power of God. So what are you asking God for? I love for us to look at the early church and we look at the book of Acts. And no matter how many times I go back and I read that and I see the day-to-day life of the early church, it was so exciting. Because they lived in relationship with one another. They just spontaneously shared their faith and people were being saved and added to their number day by day. They met the needs that people had in their church. And if you were to encounter one of those bubbly, excited, early Christians of that era and you would ask them, hey, how's it going? They would say, oh, you know, the routine, same old thing, one miracle after another. You ask us today, hey, how's it going? He said, well, it's the same old thing, you know, mundane, boring, nothing ever happens. I don't see God's hand at work. Nothing ever really happens. What are you praying for? How have you developed your relationship with God? Have you acknowledged first your dependency upon God? Are you developing the intimacy in that relationship? And then are you praying according to his word and his desire for you? What kind of power is that? That's the power that God has in store for us. You might look around and say, okay, we've gone to a very casual attendance pattern in the life of our church. Let me ask you if you believe in prayer. Do you believe in the power of prayer that you believe God could use this church, not this building, not this section of land out here in Northeast Columbia, but you and me, the people who make up Spring Valley Baptist Church, do you believe that God could take us and use us to reach hundreds or thousands of people in the Northeast area who do not know Christ at this very moment? See, I think that's something you have to ask yourself when you pray. Do you think God could take you and use you to make a difference in your neighborhood, where you work, even in your family relationships? See, it all comes down to what you believe about the power of prayer tapping into the power of God. When we abide in Christ and we ask according to God's will for us, then we receive from God. And that leads us to the fourth thing that takes place when we pray. Because when we pray, we build the kingdom with God. I think that's absolutely fascinating and exciting. At least it should be. I think most of the time we've got, and I'm guilty of the same thing too, we've got our list of people we pray for and we've got our list of things that we pray for. But, But 
do we really realize that in our prayer life, we are partnering with God in the growth of his kingdom? You see, that's what should drive our prayer life. Yeah, we need to pray for those who are sick. We need to pray for those who have personal issues, health issues, all those kinds of things. You know, we need to pray for our family and pray for God's blessings on them. Pray for shields of protection on our children, especially in their culture. But never forget the fact that when we pray, we're partnering with God in the building of his kingdom. That's an exciting thought, or it should be. Jesus said, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Now, I find that to be a challenging verse, and I find that to be an exciting verse, and I find it to be a perplexing and puzzling verse. Jesus said that if we believe in the Father and we believe on his works, and we believe in Jesus and the works that he does, we will do greater works than that. That's talking about building the kingdom with God. And our prayer life has a lot to do with that. So you look at yourself and you say, well, I haven't raised anybody from the dead lately. Jesus did. I I, I haven't preached a sermon like the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus did. You know, I haven't done any of those fantastic things that Jesus did, like walking on the water and feeding the multitudes with a few fish and loaves of bread and all the other things they did, brought back sight to blind people and enabled those who were crippled to be able to walk. All the amazing, fantastic things that he did. And Jesus says, you will do greater works than these. Isn't that fantastic? I think it's all related to our prayer life in the life of the kingdom and how we pray in the name of Jesus. That's what he says. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? I think for the vast majority of us, we've just got such a pattern that we just end every prayer with uh, in the name of Jesus. Or I pray this in the name of Jesus. Now, nothing really wrong with that. But what do you mean when you do that? I want to to challenge you to do something this week. Look through the New Testament and find some of the great prayers that are offered. Paul offers up a lot of prayers for the people to whom he's writing. And see if he ends those prayers with the words, in Jesus' name, I I offer this prayer. You see, I think for us mostly, if we pray in public, to make sure we got all our bases covered and we sound spiritual, I think we tag on those words. In Jesus' name, amen. What does it really mean to pray in Jesus' name? It's more than just adding that phrase at the end of our prayer. It really goes back to the importance of names in the Bible. And we could spend a whole day talking about this. And we might take a Sunday morning to do this. But see, the importance of names in the Bible is that they represent character or personality. Like Jacob is trickster and deceiver, and we know that's what his life was like. The names also represent authority, and they represent a person's reputation. Now, think about that with a reputation. When Jesus talks to us about asking in his name, he's talking about asking in accordance with his reputation. So, when you pray in the name of Jesus, here's what you're doing. When you literally 
genuinely pray in the name of Jesus, here's what you're doing. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you are confessing that Jesus is the only way to God. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you are acknowledging that the name of Jesus is the supreme name in the universe. It's the name above all names. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you are admitting that there is no other power to answer your prayers. When you are praying in the name of Jesus, you are submitting your will to him Because he knows what is best. When you pray in the name of Jesus, you are asking that God's reputation be enhanced. And when you pray in the name of Jesus, you are asking for everything to be consistent with God's word, character, and will. Now, doing research and study for this message for this this Sunday, I came across an illustration that many people had used about uh, Dr. Tony Evans, you know Dr. Tony Evans, uh, preacher down in Texas, fantastic church, fantastic preacher. Um, and and they, had, they quoted a story that he told uh, about a woman praying at his rally, a crusade he had here at Williams Bryce Stadium back in about 1997. And so I, to check it out, I went to Tony Evans' website, and, and he had this story on that. I, I just want to share it with you, okay? Because we're talking about praying in Jesus' name. And I want you to listen for what a woman named Linda does, okay? A few years ago, an interesting event occurred in South Carolina. This happened right here. This is not some far-fetched story. This happened right here, 20 minute, 22 minutes from here or so. I was scheduled to speak at a crusade at Williams-Brice Stadium, which is a football stadium at the University of South Carolina. The weather report had predicted rain. In fact, it said there would be a storm. More than 25,000 people had already gathered in the stadium and were waiting for the crusade to begin when we saw the storm clouds forming. So we, the leaders and organizers of the crusade, wanted to pray that God would hold back the rain. We went downstairs into a small room, gathered together, and began to pray. And, of course, we prayed things like, Dear God, please hold back the rain. If it's your will, God, could you hold back that rain? In the midst of all of us praying, a petite woman named Linda came forward. Maybe she was fed up or frustrated with the prayers of the so-called professionals, the preachers and the lay leaders. Anyway, Linda stood and asked, do you mind if I pray? So he said, what else can we say but go ahead? And Linda prayed. Now listen to her prayer. I don't know who this lady is. don't know what church she was in. I hope she's still around Columbia and praying this because listen to this prayer. Lord, your name is at stake. We told these people that if they would come out tonight, they would hear a word from God. We told them they would hear from you. Now, if they come and you let it rain and you don't control the weather, then you will look bad. (laughs) We told them that you wanted to say something to them. And if you don't keep back what you can control, the weather, someone could say your name is no good. That's a powerful prayer in it. Here's what Tony Evans said. We all looked at each other out of one corner of our eye. And we said, did she really just say that? Then they left us downstairs under the stadium. They went up on the platform. And just as they got on the platform, they saw what he said was a wall of rain coming towards the stadium. Some people got up to leave. Others pulled out umbrellas. And then Tony Evans said, he said, amazing thing happened I've never seen in my life. The rain rushed toward the stadium like a wall of water, yet when it hit the stadium, it split. Half of the rain went on one side of the stadium, the other half went on the other side. 
Then it met on the backside of the stadium. And all the while, Linda sat there with a confident look on her face. The rest of us, the preachers and leaders, just looked at each other. Then we looked at Linda. Linda looked straight ahead. See, this is not a story from the early church in the book of Acts 2,000 years ago. This was from May 1997, 22 minutes or so down the road. We were in Bryce Stadium, and some woman named Linda from Columbia prayed that prayer and said, God, your name is at stake. Your reputation is on the line. You can't pray that kind of prayer unless you've got a great relationship with God, or he might strike you down. Next time you drive by William Bryce Stadium and see any kind of picture of it or you think about it, think about that picture of that storm coming just splitting and going around that stadium. God honored the prayer of Linda. That was powerful praying, wasn't it? When we pray, this is, this is the exciting part about this. When we pray, it's an exciting opportunity to allow God and his life-changing, transforming power into our life so that we can experience his glory. And his power. So when we pray, it's important and it's significant. And we need to pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer that you give to us and and how great you are to give that to us. We thank you for the opportunity to come to you, bring to you the concerns we have, to pray in accordance with your will for the things of your kingdom, to join with you in building your kingdom here. Father, enable us through Jesus and his power to be powerful prayers in relationship with you, building your kingdom for your glory. And, Father, we do ask this in Jesus' name, through his power, through his authority, through his reputation.